This is Dalio's Principles, a philosophical examination. The unofficial podcast companion for Ray Dalio's book, Principles. This podcast will deeply explore the book and principles. The podcast is hosted by Micah Bays and John Sextro. Micah has a PhD in philosophy and has taught numerous college philosophy courses, including The Meaning of Life, Ethics, and Reason and Argument. John shares his perspective from years of experience trying to live out Ray's principles in his life and work. And you can follow us on Twitter. Micah is at Micah Bays, all one word. And I am at John Sextro, all one word. And now, this week's episode. I'm Micah Bays. I'm John Sextro, and this is Dalio's Principles, a Philosophical Examination. In this episode of the show, we're going to be talking about Principle 2.7. And Principle 2.7 says, understand your own and others' mental maps and humility. Uh, Seems like good advice. Uh, So we're going to dive a little bit more deeply into this topic and talk about you know, what are mental maps and what do we really know or what do we think we really know? Um, I thought a good way getting started with this, Micah, was to talk a little bit about um, my, I guess, an experience that I had as as a child many years ago. And uh, I, I, th- I figured out pretty early, I feel like, that there's that there's knowledge and there are facts well, there's knowledge that is facts and information, and then there's knowledge that is really sort of uh, understanding how to do things. And I think that that's that's what a mental map is, is knowledge of what to do or how to do it. And then uh, I, when, as a kid, would always say that, you know, that that knowledge that was facts and information, I called that book smarts and the knowledge that was com- that was how to do something or or how to uh, or what to do I referred to that as common sense I don't know if you did you do a similar thing or did you have did you have the same uh, view of knowledge information when you were younger yeah so I you know, I think for me you know as I see mental maps I think Ray would include both, you know, your, um, I, I guess I would say your book smarts and your street smarts. Um, I guess I'm trying to think about how common sense would fall into that, those categories, you know, would common sense, maybe some parts of common sense, what we think of as common sense would be, um, mental maps. And then would some part of common sense be related to, or sorry, be related to, um, book smarts and then some part of common sense be related to street smarts. Yeah, that's that that maybe is a better way to differentiate them because you would I always and this was this was part of I guess my difficulty with the idea of common sense was it didn't always seem that it was that common. You know, many people didn't seem to have some of the things that I considered to be common sense. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, there's I think there's probably a significant overlap in what people will agree on to some degree, but at the same time, you know, once you start kind of really investigating what people believe, I think we find that 
there can be pretty substantial disagreement. Um, and so, yeah, common sense isn't maybe as <laughs> pervasive as we thought, or it's not as clear as we thought. And, and I always, I, I, I've, I've had this experience that I was alluding to earlier, uh, where, where there was, there was something that happened where I was going to go and, and make a purchase at a store. And I was again, relatively young, not very wise in the way of the world. And my mom was saying, here, take, take this money, go to the store. You're going to buy this thing. And I simply said to my mom, I said, well, this isn't, this isn't going to be enough. You know, there's the thing costs X amount of money. You've given me exactly X amount. Isn't there going to be tax or whatever? And she's like, oh no, it'll be fine. That's, that's all the money you need. And I thought, well, this is never going to work. And sure enough, I got to the store and it didn't work. Um, <laughs> so it was like I, I was missing some amount of money that was was to cover the tax. And I always thought, wow, I wonder what the disconnect was in, in terms of my mom's mental map of how that amount of money was going to cover the cost of the thing I was sent to the store to purchase versus my mental map of that. And, you know, so that I sort of extended that throughout these years and and into today where I often see people that become easily stuck sort of in the morass of, I don't know, their daily life where um, they, they quickly become blocked by some amount of ambiguity in something that they're trying to do. And this isn't in all people, of course, and it's it's not even a thing that I would say is is common in people that I work with. I just notice that there are people that are easily stopped by something that's in their way, and it seems like their mental model, their way of reasoning uh, to determine a mental model doesn't allow them to as easily understand what it is they should do to work around the block, to resolve the block, um, to have avoided the block altogether, etc. And I, I, I've just been thinking about this in terms of reading this part of the book and thinking, well, why is that? And and is it is it that I know something that someone else doesn't know? Going back to like simply, what does it mean to know something, or? Is it my reasoning, uh, my experience, or this street smartness that allows me to have have this ability to have these mental models that can that can you know deal with these various blockers? So I wonder what you think of that, Micah. Yeah, well, you know, this conversation certainly reminds me of so you know Aristotle. Um, he makes a distinction, you know, other people would as well, but um, he makes this distinction between what he would call theoretical wisdom and then practical wisdom. And so theoretical wisdom is kind of like the book smarts, you might say, where that's about, you know, knowledge of, of things. Uh, but then practical wisdom is knowing what to do. And so I guess, you know, maybe with practical wisdom, there's more of a component of knowing what's truly valuable and what's worth pursuing. And, you know, Aristotle certainly recognized that you could be extremely book smart, but not be uh, street smart, right? You could have a lot of theoretical wisdom, but not a lot of practical wisdom. Did Aristotle say anything about, was, was there one 
that was more important than the other? Did he, did he talk about needing to have them in like equal servings? Uh, what else did he, did he teach us about those things? Uh, if I remember correctly, and you know, there's, there's debate about it, but um, ultimately I think he would say that theoretical wisdom is the, you know, supreme kind of wisdom, but nonetheless, practical wisdom is extremely important. Um, uh, in part, you know, practical wisdom, you know, so for Aristotle, content, the life of contemplation, the life of thinking is the best life. Um, and so that's going to involve mostly theoretical wisdom, but right. In order to live that life, to achieve a life of where you can be doing a lot of thinking, you've got a lot of, ha- you have to have a lot of practical wisdom as well. Um, and so, yes, I think he would place theoretical wisdom as a higher um, skill or uh, characteristic of a person, but nonetheless, practical wisdom is still extremely important for him. And I think you know one of the things for Aristotle, and I think this discussion or this question might come up later in our podcast, but uh, for Aristotle, one of the kind of significant things about practical wisdom is the role that character plays in practical wisdom. So for Aristotle, it's important to have the right um, desires and what your desires are. You know, if, if you have incorrect desires, that will distort your view of the world. Uh, that will distort your view of what's worth pursuing and what's not worth pursuing. You know, there's a, yeah, there's definitely an element that of character that play there's that plays into your ability to have practical wisdom. I think we could say something similar, Micah, about humility in that um, humility and your, your ability to be humble impacts you in terms of uh, having an acceptance of what you know and what you don't know. And furthermore, um, impacts your ability to be open-minded and, you know, in this book and, and well, at least throughout the early part of the book, Ray has really been stressing the importance of having humility so that we can know what we, where we're smart on things, where we know a lot about subjects or we have areas of expertise. And then also understanding where are our weaknesses, where are our gaps, where could uh, we be getting help from other people uh, to do to do better to be better. So wondering, Micah, you know, is it is it enough to be humble? Is it enough to be to have humility, or do we need something more? So one, I, mean, I think that an interesting question is, you know, what what kind of humility are we talking about here? So I think certainly we're talking about you know a degree of you know, we might say intellectual humility, right? This recognition that other people might have more knowledge than you, um, you know, at the very least in particular areas, right? Um, is being willing to acknowledge that other people have, yeah, more knowledge about at least particular subject matters. Um, but I, you know, I think there's a, another question of, well, does it also involve, you know, I'm going to say like character-based humility where um, a lot of times when we talk about humility, we're, we think about someone's humble in the sense of they view themselves as no better than other people, um, you know, as maybe no more valuable or something like that. And so, you know, what's crossed my mind here is just, it seems like you could 
have intellectual humility and recognize that other people might have some more knowledge than you. But at the same time, you might still see yourself as more valuable or more important than them. And, you know, as far as what Ray is talking about here, as far as, you know, you might say gaining uh, knowledge from other people, all this really required, it seems to me, is maybe intellectual humility, being willing to ask other people for information or knowledge that they have. You know, there's a question for me, like, what role does he, does he see, you might say, again, I'm going to say character-based humility play in. Is it important that we see ourselves as no more important than others or, you know, yeah, just how does he see that? So the, the, the real difference there being that I'm asking, I'm sort of asking this more than saying this. Uh, so, so help me clarify this, Micah, is that with character-based humility, it's that, you know, I am, I am just one of a, you know, bazillion people and I'm not special. I'm like everybody else. Everybody else is like me. Is that what you mean by this character humility in a nutshell? Yeah. yeah I think that's a good way to characterize it. Okay. And then the intellectual humility is recognizing being open-minded that somebody else could have a good idea. Somebody else could know more than me, et cetera. Right. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Do you think Ray believes that humility is, is enough here? Uh, n- no. Right. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things he points out is, um, you know, you could have a lot of humility. You could recognize, uh, that you don't know everything, but you know, if you're going to get help from other people, if you're going to be benefited by other people's mental maps, as he puts it, you need to know who to ask, right? You need to know um, who has a good mental map, right? Um, so if we want to go uh, with this maps metaphor some more, right? Remember when uh, Apple Maps came out <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, sure. several years ago? Sure. And uh, it was lambasted, you know, pretty, <laughs> pretty strongly by people because it was, the maps were pretty flawed at points, Um yeah, I know people talked about how at times, you know, the maps told them to drive into a, you know, a pond or something like that. But I, I, I think that's a good, uh, helpful metaphor here in the sense of, right, we can differentiate between different maps as being better or worse than other maps, right? So at least for a while, Google Maps was definitely better than Apple Maps. Well, likewise, you know, some people's mental maps of how to navigate the world are better than other people's maps, mental maps, you know, their understanding of things and so on. And so when you are going to ask someone else, you know, for our input or information about what you should do, you of course want to ask someone who has a good mental map as opposed to someone who has a bad mental map. Yeah. Given our, our recent set of circumstances, we're in the middle of, I don't know the co- coronavirus uh, pandemic in the U.S. and and the world. You know, m- maybe people would want to take advice on on dealing with uh, a virus from a doctor as opposed to you know a politician or or some guy, <laughs> some random guy on Reddit or something, right? I mean, that's that's an example where you have to consider the source of that information. Consider is the person like a, a real subject matter expert. Right. Yeah. You know, um, 
having taught, you know, reason argument uh, classes or one of the sections we would typically cover is determining who's a reputable source. What was important was that you had to know not just what the person's credentials it was well it was important to know the person's credentials but to recognize that even if they are an expert the reality is they're probably an expert in a particular area and so what you want to make sure is if you're going to ask them for advice if you're going to rely on their testimony or rely on their authority you would want to make sure that what you're asking about is the same subject matter of which they're actually an expert so as far as you know the uh, coronavirus thing, right? There was, um, you know, really it's a sad story, but there was a couple, I believe, in Arizona, and they had heard, um, and we're not going to get political here, but you know they'd heard President Trump talking about the, and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right, but the chloroquine tablets, and instead of looking into it further, you know, they I guess they had some um, tablets for their aquarium or something. And the husband apparently took the tablets because it had the same name and, you know, he ended up dying from it. And so this is just where, you know, okay, he had humility in the sense of he was willing to listen to someone else. He was willing to recognize that someone else might know more, but he didn't have, you might say, the theoretical wisdom to know who he should be talking to or who he should ask, be asking. And likewise, you know, there's also just the issue of, well, is the tablets that he saw just because it had the same name? Is that the same thing that you know President Trump was talking about? That's where you know just having intellectual humility isn't enough, right? You also have to have at least enough knowledge, right? Enough of your own, a good enough mental map of your own, you might say, to navigate to figure out who you should ask on topics that you're not knowledgeable about. We operate the podcast on the value-for-value model. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the podcast and find value in the information and entertainment you receive, visit our website at daliosprinciples.fireside.fm slash donate. You can also help us grow by promoting us on social media. So get out there and tell all of your friends about the podcast and help us spread the word. And now, back to the show. Yeah, so it's it's not just that humility that you mentioned, it's understanding and being able to reason about who is really knowledgeable and believable um on you know an array of topics and, and particularly the ones that you're facing. Again, with that with that doctor metaphor, you know, I could ask a doctor, hey, should I should I take these tablets? But if if that doctor is is not a, a doctor with a specialization like you described, Micah, wanting to know not just that they, they're they an expert in that field, but that even more specifically, they're, they're an expert in that very narrow set of, um, or, or that very narrow portion of a field, because a field is, as it's described, can be a very broad, a broad area. The field of medicine is a very broad area. Are there other examples of people that are, you know, experts, so to speak, in a field, but, you know, you would, they maybe wouldn't be an expert in, in this particular part of it versus that other particular part of a field. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of examples, just going back to the classes I taught, a couple of examples I'd give my students was, um, so Richard Dawkins, um, extremely well-known and, um, 
reputable scientist as far as you know the process of evolution, theory of evolution. Um, very knowledgeable about that topic, but he uh, has gotten into a fair amount of philosophy. And when he starts talking philosophy, you know, he's definitely gotten into some hot water. Just because you know philosophers have recognized he doesn't seem to really understand the field of philosophy. But someone might think, well, Richard Dawkins is a scientist. He's really smart. And so he says, you know, he has some opinion about philosophy. And so they might believe him because, well, he's a really smart scientist. But just the fact that he's a really smart scientist doesn't mean that he's an expert, you know, in philosophy. Yeah, that's not to say you can't listen to him about his philosophical views, but you probably wouldn't want to rely on them as far as you know whether they're good philosophical views or correct philosophical views. Uh, you know, another example, just by way of helping people think about this. So the topic of you know religion and take the Pope. The Pope, we couldn't rely on the Pope for the question: Does God exist? Uh, in the sense of, in the sense of, there's not you might say common agreement about who would count as an expert on that topic, right? That's a very contested topic, and it's not really known, at least publicly, who has knowledge about the existence of God or gods and that sort of thing. And so you wouldn't want to rely on the Pope as a an expert on that topic, just relying on his authority itself. Now, barring you having some additional knowledge that maybe the common public doesn't have. But as far as, you know, we might say Catholic doctrine, the Pope would be an excellent person to talk to, right? Surely the Pope uh, is an expert in Catholic doctrine. And so, if you have questions about, well, what do Catholics believe about God? Or what do Catholics believe about uh, morality or, you know, whatever else? Certainly, he is an expert in that topic. And so, you would have good reason to believe him based on that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That I think those examples are are very enlightening in terms of understanding the difference between somebody who's just overall well known, bright about topics versus um, being a believable person, being a subject matter expert in a particular area. And furthermore, Micah, I think we've hit the trifecta of uh of touching on the the unspeakable topics on a podcast so we've we've talked about trump here in politics we've talked about richard <laughs> dawkins and evolution and and now we've talked about religion and the pope and the existence of god so i mean this is this will probably be our our best most highly rated podcast ever because <laughs> because of that yeah these are my favorite topics <laughs> yeah well let's let's go on and and continue talking uh, about humility a bit, a little bit, trying to understand our humility. I, I wonder a lot if there, you know, it's like, uh, there's so many, there, there are other examples of this where I feel like, you know, it, are there shades of like trust? Are there shades of honesty? Um, are there shades of being a good person or a bad person? And with humility, is it, is it a binary? Is it like you're either, you're either humble or you're not humble, or there are grades in between. Um, how do I know <laughs> how humble I am, or or am I humble, or am I not humble? You know, help me there. How can how can I how can I reason about this? Yeah, I mean, I I would certainly think the yeah, others definitely 
gradations of humility, right? You can be more or less humble. And um, so it can definitely be a process of, you know, if you're striving, you might say to be humble, um, you can become more and more humble. And, you know, as, as Ray points out, right, it's important that you not just ask yourself, how humble are you? Uh, because you may not realize correctly what your, your humility status is, you might say. And so that's definitely where it is helpful to recognize or to ask other people, do they think you are humble, right? Do they see you as someone who is willing to listen to other ideas? You know, do they see you as someone who's willing to acknowledge when you've made a, you might say, an intellectual mistake or maybe some other kind of mistake? But certainly Ray is talking about intellectual humility here, at least for the most part. You know, having people around you who see, you know, what you're like. Uh, in situations where you're trying to talk with others and figure out some path forward, you know, and you can ask them, right? They have seen you in action, you might say, as far as do you listen to others? Do you admit, you know, when you don't know something, do you admit when you were wrong about it? Um, so, yeah, certainly, definitely a significant role that others need to play in assessing your true humility. Uh, but of course, you know, I think as you were kind of alluding to, there still isn't, you might say, a perfect way to determine your exact humility level, right? Um, as far as there's not, it's probably pretty hard to be certain about exactly how humility, how humble you are. Because, you know, even assessing your humility depends on other people's perceptions of you. And, of course, their perceptions can be wrong. That makes it tricky. I'm sure there's like a Facebook quiz or something that I can answer to figure out how humble I am, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure there's 20 of so those. It, right. <laughs> in your teaching that you did on reason and argument, I feel like maybe this, this understanding, like how humble I am or um, how to, how to f sort of figure out who to believe on a topic, who, who I can trust when it comes to getting advice and, um, and learning from them. And were there tips, were there, were there um, guidelines that, that you used as you were teaching, you know, reason and argument that, that would help people sort of suss out who are the experts or is it the same sort of thing that, that Ray alludes to in the book where you just have to, you just have to like interact with people and, and sort of trial and error and, you know, pick their brain and, and see where they, where their expertise seems to fall down and where their expertise holds up. I don't know. How, how do we, is there a way that we can sort of use some, you know, artificial intelligence or something to figure out who's an expert in what and who to believe and who not to believe and who's humble and who's not humble. Right. So you know, I, th I think this is one, this is a complicated topic um, in the sense that I think there are some subject matters where we can clearly define like who is trustworthy as far as, you know, definitely when you think of like academic topics, yeah, we think about with scientists or, you know, historians, English teachers, right? If you want to know about what's uh, proper grammar or something like that, certain degrees, right? I think you can, you know, give people a level of expertise that you can trust. Now, even then, right, just because you can trust them, that doesn't mean they're infallible. They can still make mistakes, even if someone has a degree in something, they could be wrong. But you would have much better reason to believe them than you know someone just off the street. 
But beyond those, you might say more, I'm going to say academic topics, you get into more nitty gritty, just everyday life questions and topics about what you should do and what you shouldn't do, um, what kind of career you might pursue, whether your current job is a good fit for you. And that becomes much more difficult. Um, I'm not so sure how to give a good answer to that. Yeah, definitely. I think it would help if you have experience with someone so you can see, well, are their mental maps good, right? When they um, make decisions about a particular topic, do they tend to be successful in those areas if those pursuits and you know, based on their mental maps? Well, ultimately, I think that's what you'd want to be able to do, right? Um, this is a bit vague, but in the sense of when someone has a, right, everyone has their mental maps and what you'd want to do is see, okay, when they follow their mental map, does it bring them success? But even then, right, you've got to make, that gives you some reason to believe them, but even then, um, the circumstances there and maybe significantly different than yours uh, so maybe difficult to take their mental map <laughs> and apply it to your own life. I'm not sure if that is all that clear in what I just said, but yeah, I think I'd boil it down to to a couple of things here. One is, you know, you can sort of start off with people's credentials, so understanding somebody's, you know, what's their resume, where they go to school, what things they study, you know, what have they been doing in their career, as just a a, a jumping off point. Uh, that only takes you so far. And, and from there, it's really just about uh, getting to know the person more deeply and seeing what their track record has been, where they've been right, where they've been wrong, and uh, where they themselves might have gaps in, in things that you're dealing with. So that takes us sort of to the end here, Micah, at least to the end of principle two. Uh, the, the area of principle two, which was all about the five-step process. We've gone through the five-step process, walked through a number of the um, mid-level principles related to the five-step process. And here we are today, we're talking about mental maps. We're talking about humility. And this, this talk of humility is really setting us up now uh, for, for principle three, which is to be radically open-minded. Um, the cornerstone, if you will, of humility. And in the future episodes of the podcast, we're going to be diving deeply into the mid-level principles that apply to principle three. So join us back here next time as we start to dive into principle three. Thanks, Micah. Thanks, John.